This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Scripture reading today will be taken from Psalms 72. Uh, Elijah will be reading for us the passage today. So you can take this moment to grab your Bibles or the church Bible, or you can follow the passage on the screen. Today's passage will be taken from Psalm 72. Okay. Let's hear God's word. Psalm 72 of Solomon. And thou the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness, may he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, and the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. May he be like rain falling on the mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him with gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and will save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Shiva be given to him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May corn abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvellous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pastor Andrew will now speak to us God's word. Thanks, Jin Hao and Elijah for leading us and reading God's word to us. If you have your Bible with you, it'd be great if you keep it open. If you use the church Bible, it's on page 586, 586, the church Bible. Um, It'd be great to keep it open so we can look at it together. Psalm 72, page 586. Why don't we ask God to help us this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here despite the rain. We thank you that you have brought us through a year and now another new year. Whatever lies ahead, we pray, God, that you will lead us. And in fact, whatever has passed in the past few days, that God, you have led us. So as we gather here, we pray your spirit work in us so that as we read your word, we may understand it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Yes, we have survived 2023. I hope you wrote the numbers correct. This year is 2024. We have started a year strong. We have been keeping our New Year resolution. 
we decided and we kept it, we, we ate well, we ate healthy, we slept earlier, we used less social media, we stayed calm, we said we want to read the Bible, we have been reading it, we have been doing great, isn't it? Or maybe not. Perhaps some of us have already slipped off the greed right in the first week. Now it was evening, I was writing this very paragraph, I was eating a, serv- a, um, a, a, a small serving of crispy fries, I was looking at a swimming pool, I was supposed to swim, the rain was like today, the lifeguard wouldn't let me go in, so you know what's up, I had a good breakfast, healthy greens, nothing wrong with some crispy fries. But as I sit there watching at the swimming pool and eating the fries and the oil oozing down, I didn't feel very good. I felt pretty bad. In, in fact, there goes my New Year resolution to eat healthy. Maybe that's why no one makes them anymore. Now friends, as we begin this year, I want to ask you this question. How is your world looking? Is everything going uphill or are they sliding down? Are we full of hope or dreading those insurmountable challenges? Now, before those crispy fries, I felt that my world was looking pretty good. I was, in fact, humming the good old tune of What a Wonderful World. Anybody knows that song, What a Wonderful World? Yeah? So as I was heading to the swimming pool, the sun was still there. I said, I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I said to myself, or I think to myself, what a wonderful world. It was great. But then the rain came, the crispy fries came, and as I went home feeling defeated, the song that actually came to my mind was this. I don't know if anybody knows this song. It's the 50s or 60s. It's called Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley. And it goes this way. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. How's your world looking? Is it swinging like a pendulum? Like mine did, depending on what I ate, depending on what I read on the newspaper. In fact, the first week you have read all kinds of things. Is it looking good as you have planned? Or is it looking gloomy, like a roller coaster of global warming, GST hike of 9%? impending war, how is your world looking? In fact, how is my world looking? How is our world looking? Is it objective? Is it subjective? How do you gauge your world? Now in the book of Kings, which we'll be looking at in our first series this year, if we merely follow the history, we will be on a roller coaster for weeks after weeks. Because there we are, we will be going uphill when the king was doing really well. We feel that it's a wonderful world, everything is beautiful. And when the king turns away from God, we're going downhill and we say, boy, he's going to die. Isn't it? How is your world and my world looking? If we are Christians, whether we are stepping into First Kings in the coming weeks or whether we are stepping into our own world, Today we need to learn to sing a song that David prays as his last corporate prayer. He prays this prayer and invites his people to pray this prayer for King Solomon, the king that comes after him. It was meant to be prayed by the people 
for the king, beginning with Solomon, perhaps at his inauguration as a king, but no doubt, because it's kept in the Bible, it's meant to be read all through every generation. As the kings come, that they are to pray this prayer for the king, and for us, as we open the Bible, that this prayer is also for us, and we shall see how. Now, this prayer was not written by a naive poet who is kind of all uh, rosy, tainted glasses. It's written by someone who has experienced God's faithfulness in his faithlessness and many times. And this is his last corporate prayer. In fact, the very last verse of Psalm 72 says this. Look at your Bible, verse 20. It says, this concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. It's a prayer for us that we can pray together with the choir master, with the psalmist, so that we see our world with this objective hope, even if spiritual storms or disappointments come your way, and they will come. Whether the leaders rise to our expectation or they fall through the cracks of human failures, we are meant to pray with hope and confidence that if God provides a perfect king, he will, in a perfect way, brings about a perfect world for you and me to live in. So as we dig into Psalm 72, I want to paint us a little bit of the context, also because we are going to look at First Kings in the next two months or so. So here it is, Psalm 72 is actually the very last Psalm of Book 1 and Book 2 of the Psalter, or what we call the Psalms. Right, the 72 Psalms, the book 1 and book 2, they're actually called the main collections of the Psalms of David. There are other Psalms of David in the later ones, but these ones are his big chunk. In fact, the Psalter begins with someone that describes a perfect man. Psalm 2 describes a perfect king. By the time we arrive at Psalm 72, the last concluding prayer of David, the son of Jesse, he brings up this perfect man-king who will bring about a perfect kingdom. So that is how Psalm 72 fits into the Psalter. How does it fit into kings or where we are heading in the next few weeks? This is how it goes. In fact, last year we were in a whole two books of Samuel. At the end of Samuel, the, the, the ending chapters, there was this portion of 2 Samuel 23, verse 1 to 7, which were the very last words of David. And just now in our um, Bible reading, we read 1 Kings 2, verse 1 to 4. They were the last commands of David to the new king, his son Solomon. And in all of that, he is bringing, them, is bringing this point that the king you are to be courageous and obey God's word because God wants to fulfill his promises to us. So now as we dig into Psalm 72, this is how it begins. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me. In fact, let me read it to you and you can look at it with me. Psalm 72 verse 1, it says, Endow the king with your justice, O God. The royal son with your righteousness, may he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. I just want you to look at these two verses and notice what is the emphasis here. David begins by praying really for the king to have God's character to rule God's people. Do you see the emphasis there? Your justice, 
your righteousness, your people, your afflicted ones. It's all about God. The king is meant to rule for God. That is how it's meant to be, not for himself. We see this at work throughout the Old Testament, but especially so is the emphasis in the books of the kings. That the kings are meant to rule for God and not for themselves. When they rule for God, the kingdom prosper. And you will see in the book of the kings, when there are kingdoms, that the prosperity of the people lies on the shoulder of the king. When the king rules for God, prosperity arrives into the kingdom. When the, when the king rules for himself, the kingdom starts to crack. That is how it works in this um, time of the kings and even for us today. We'll see this unpacked most clearly in the kingship of Solomon. This is for Solomon, Psalm 72, as with the beginning of the kings. In him, we catch a glimpse of the kingdom richly blessed because he rules for God. But we also see in Solomon the kingdom heading down for destruction and division because he turns to other gods. So on a high point of Solomon's rule, which we'll see, when he rules for God and with God's wisdom, the, the kingdom flourishes under King Solomon. The, king, the governors rule really well in 1 Kings 4. Everyone lived in safety. It says they were living under their own vine. They have their own fig trees. In fact, creation will dance to the rule of the king. The king will rule the way that Adam fails to rule. But when the king rules well, creation uh, dance for God's glory. Look at verse 3 of your Bible. Verse 3, May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. Now, it is a wonderful picture of prosperity and fruitfulness throughout creation under the king's righteous rule. If you look on to verse 4, it says that uh, it describes how this king endowed with God's justice and righteousness. He will defend the afflicted. He will save children. He will crush oppression. Now, this king will be brave. He will use his power for God and he will save and unite God's people. There will be no child abuse. There will be no spouse abuse. There will be no child labor. There won't be prostitution or need of it. There will be no slavery. People walk on the streets with safety. No wonder commands, um, I don't know if you hear this, I hear this many times when tourists come to Singapore, they feel that Singapore is very safe. They feel that, hey, people can walk the streets at 11 a.m. It's, it's cool. Uh, but we don't take that for granted because that is not the case for many, many places around the world. That is not the case in many places. In fact, safety is not a promise given to us, even though we may take for granted. Now, one of my favorite songs as a teenager, I used to love it and we used to play guitar on the two, is by the White Lions called When the Children Cry. Anyone knows this song? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my son hears it because... He said he is at home. Okay, yeah, we know the era. So this is the lyrics. Let me read to you the opening stanza. Little child, dry your crying eyes. How can I explain the fear you feel inside? Because you were born into this evil world where man is killing man and no one knows just why. What have we become? Just look what we have done. 
all that we destroy, you must build again. The song actually begins with really somber tone. It's it's of this singer speaking to a distressed child. Hey, child, dry your eyes. Dry your eyes. But really, how do you dry the eyes of a child who has only fears in it? How do you dry the eyes of a child or children who lost their parents in wars? They have happened this few years. How do you dry the eyes of children who were once kidnapped for unspeakable abuse? How do you dry the eyes of fear? Who will be brave to use his power to bring justice to a broken world? And David prays that King would endow the king with your character, God, and he will do so. Look at verse 4 with me. Verse 4. May he defend the afflicted, save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressors. Now this is a prayer for a safer world to live under the king who rules for God. This should actually be a prayer and longing that as churches we should pray. We don't just pray uh, with hopeful words, but we pray God's promises back to God that he will save us and give us a king who will rule. We will see this in the coming weeks in 1 Kings, how Solomon asked God for discernment to administer justice. And he was captured in this famous court case where two prostitute came and Came, came to him to ask for justice, and there were no witness in this whole court case. But the king was able to give them perfect justice and vindication, despite having no witnesses. And the whole kingdom learns that God's wisdom is with their king. That is an awesome picture that First Kings will bring us. And we too long to see that perfect rescue for those in our times, who are afflicted, who are needy, who are crushed. Now, on this side of the history, we know there is a king like this. If you're a Christian, you know who he is. We know that he's one who came, he rescued the afflicted, those who are afflicted by sickness, by hunger, by distress, by death. Now, friends, in, in a very real sense, we too, you and I, we do experience affliction, neediness, oppression. Perhaps some of us do experience it physically. It's difficult. But can I say all of us experience it spiritually? Because sin and death are always next to us. Like our best mates. They never leave us alone. They're always there waiting for our sin and reminding us of death. But the king will come. The king will come to rescue us. The New Testament tells us this king, we know his name, Jesus. And Psalm 72 will actually lead us to cry out for Jesus to bear the righteous fruits in our lives and to save us from the affliction of sin and death. Now, in a poetic way of expressing long live the king, verse 5 and 6, verse 5 to 7, um, David describes the king's lasting rule this way, compares the king with the constellation and nature. Let me read it to us. And in fact, you can read it with me, verse 5 to verse 7. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. 
In his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. Now this was a prayer for a long and prosperous reign of King Solomon because it was written for Solomon. And it was also a prayer that he would have prayed for the kings under the Davidic line. But now as it comes to you and me, as we read it, we're not in Israel and we are not Jews and it was not, it's not the same anymore. This prayer for us is no longer just praying that a king will come, but for us to pray that the king will return for us. When he returns, it will be forever. We need that king who endures as long as the sun and that righteousness will flourish and prosperity will abound. Now, dear friends, David's prayer is especially valuable to us to actually sing and pray in our times for us because human leaders can disappoint us by failing to exercise justice or failing to live long enough to deal with our troubles. And only King Jesus ultimately fulfilled all this. And when God's king rules his blessing, will come as the sun goes on, will not just reach his kingdom, but you will stretch out to the rest of the world. Look at verse 8 with me. Verse 8. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Now, first up, when you are in Kings, you will find that there is some real fulfillment of this very verse that his father prayed for. Because in the days of King Solomon, his rule did spread from the Dead Sea to the Mediterranean Sea, from the Euphrates River, which is the central of civilization, right to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes, they will get influenced by the king. His enemies, they will feel the heat of his wrath. Great kings from Tashish and Sheba and other distant kings, they will pay tribute and present gifts to the king. And it all happened in Solomon's time. In verse 11, may all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Now the fame and the rule of the king, in fact, is here suggesting it goes beyond political obligation because they are responding out of awe and out of amazement for the king is so great. We see this actually unpacked in the reign of King Solomon, partially through the visit of ambassadors of the kings. It's in 1 Kings 4, we'll look at it. It's picked at the visit of Queen of Sheba herself in 1 Kings 6, and so on. Um, we'll look at all of that in the coming weeks. Indeed, the rule of Solomon was beyond David's kingship. It was worldwide. He revealed the rule of God and the glory of God in his time. In fact, at the peak of Solomon's rule, it provided a glimpse of that perfect kingship that God has promised. Almost. But he falls short in his time. And it is only in Jesus' time that the gospel or the fame of the king will spread from the Middle East to the ends of the earth. So what we have in Solomon was a glimpse but what we saw on the cross was the fulfillment. This is what you actually get in the New Testament when you talk about a king, that he has this words, king of the Jews, on top of his crown, but as his hand stretches out on that cross, that his fame and his offer of safety or reconciliation spreads to the rest of the world, through all human history, to the depths of the hearts, 
through the sinful hearts that you and I have and through all the land that we have, that all will come to him. No one is so low that Jesus will not accept him, but there's no king or queen that's so high that he or she does not need Jesus. Now, in 2011, in the Christmas message by Queen Elizabeth II, she, she always gave amazing Christmas messages. Here's the one that she gave in 2011, and I quote from BBC's transcript. This is what she said to her people. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families, it can restore friendships, it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. What she's saying, the Queen says, is that King Jesus, he's the one that we will feel the power of God's love. Now dear friends, Psalm 72 is more than just an ancient prayer in an ancient book that we flip once in a while. It is not. It is a prayer that is as modern as we need to be for you and me. For us to pray that the power of King Jesus can be recognized and can be felt all through the kings and all through the nations even before he returns. That verse 11 actually is also a prayer in recognition of our king that may all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Now, as we continue in Psalm 72, I hope you still have your Bible open. We arrive then into the middle, right smack of David's prayer and his prayer for Solomon. And this time, David prays that the king would reveal God's own heart. Now, one of the reasons this king is able to draw nations to himself is because he reveals the heart of God for the afflicted. We see that in verses 12 to 14. Look at verse 12 to 14. With me in verse 12, the king, you will hear the cries of the needy, the afflicted. Verse 13, he reaches out to the weak and the lost. Verse 14, he sees each person to be precious. Now, while King Solomon will reveal God to the world through his wisdom, the greater Davidic King Jesus, he reveals God's compassion and his love for this world. Or as the queen said in her Christmas speech, a saviour with the power to forgive, it can heal broken families, it can restore friendships, it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. I don't know if you have any broken relationships. You know it hurts and it's hard to heal. But the greatest broken relationship we have is with God because we can't fix it. And we still can't fix it. If someone tries to fix it for us, we're going to break it again. But this king says, I will reconcile you with God. Which king does that? Well, the greatest queen of our time says, it is her savior. And it's the same for us. It is ours. Now, a popular quote attributed to Theodore Roosevelt, he says this, I'm sure you heard it even if you don't know it's from him. He says, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Heard it? No one knows how much you... No one cares how much you know unless they know how much you care. Yeah? Now in Jesus, we find a king who would die for our sin. 
And in his dying, he shows how much he cares because of how much he knows about you and I and how much we need both justice and mercy. And he has both of them for us on the cross. Now, dear friends, as we read about the needy, the afflicted, the weak, the oppressed, I wonder if you feel the longing for someone to fix all of this. Maybe in the news is too overwhelming, they're just statistics, but when it becomes names, when they become your people, become your family or yourself, they're no longer statistics or numbers. Everyone is precious to you and you want it to be done. That someone is able to deal with or resolve the brokenness caused by the war, by natural disasters, by scams, human selfishness, wickedness. And here David's prayer is for the king to be wise enough, loving enough, powerful enough, willing enough to save this world, to save them, and to save us, especially from death. Verse 13. Now, one of the impressive initiatives that uh, I found by LTA is the Helping Hand Scheme. Anybody know us the Helping Hand Scheme? So, accordingly, commuters, you can wear this lanyard that describes... Uh, their needs. For example, a commuter can wear, may I have a seat please? Uh, lanyard, because sometimes the commuters have non-visible health condition. I thought that was lovely. Um, because um, sometimes we do have conditions we can't see. And we need help. Now the king whom David and God's people pray for is so wise and so compassionate. He hears the cries of the needy who have this non-visible spiritual health condition that the cries in us sometimes get muted by the visible world. That sometimes we can't hear our own cries because the noise is so loud outside. But the king that David prays for is one who hears and one who comes to those who are spiritually needy, who are weak, who are oppressed, who are broken. That sin is killing and suffocating us and we need help. And then we cry out to this king, he responds to say, I hear you. And I'm here to help you. Verse 14, look at it. Precious is their blood or our blood in the sight of this king. Which king treasures the blood of his people? You follow that king. Because kings dispatch people to shed blood. But this king, he shed his blood so that yours is preserved. Dear friends, do we long for such a king? Do we pray for his healing, for his restoration, for his return? As a church or as an individual, we should pray more. Psalm 72 is a lovely psalm that we can pray in view of our king. Now, to be clear, we no longer pray for the king to come as if we do not know who he is, but we pray for his return because when he returns, he promised that it will be forever and that the kingdom will come. And you know, when the Bible says that there will be no more tears and pain and sorrow, it's not because how good we are, but because how perfect the king is, that his kingdom will not have such things. He will make sure that these things will not reside in his kingdom. And if you are in it, we share that perfection. Now as we continue, the next move on to this psalm moves to verse 15 to 17a, where the king shall be honoured and loved by his subjects. Look at verse 15 uh, with me. Look at verse 15 with me. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Now the prayer for Solomon was this corporate responsibility that 
The people of Israel, they are meant to pray for their king. That is part of the duty of the people as the king rules. But here's a beautiful one that the people love to pray for their king. Now, with the promise from God in 1 Kings 3.14, we'll look at it, and the people's prayer, Solomon did reign. He reigned as long as his father David did, about 40 years, and the kingdom was so greatly blessed under his reign. In fact, the prayer of verse 15 came to fruition when the queen of Sheba came to Solomon. She was so impressed, she gave him 120 talents of gold. There are tons of gold we're talking about. While praising God, this foreigner coming in and praising God, she marveled at the reign of Solomon, and this is what she said about the kingdom that she witnessed. Imagine if you go to this kingdom and see that you don't really want to leave. This is what she says. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delight in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. These are spoken by a foreigner who comes in and see and taste the glory of God's kingdom. Now at the prime of Solomon's reign for God, the people were happy. Everyone wanted to be in the king's presence. People would travel by ship to hear the king and we have him every day. He writes thousands of proverbs and we get to read it. He talks about all kinds of creatures and animals and, and we get to enjoy that one man encyclopedia, encyclopedia that, that the king is. That is kind of enjoyment for the kingdom. There was no king like Solomon. The burden was not heavy to pray for the king. The people longed for his rule. But of course, we are prepping us to see that it will not last because Solomon turned in his later years to worship other idols. But even in Solomon's failure, it will give us a glimpse in the coming weeks of what the kingdom might look like when the people love their king and the king loves God. Now, in our modern day, Queen Elizabeth II was no, is no doubt one of the most loved monarchs that we know of in the recent history. She has a very long reign. She was crowned queen at 25, and she was queen for 70 years. Besides the United Kingdom, she was the sovereign for many, 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 many independent countries. And her face is in the most number of dollar notes that you can find in, in the world. But long as she lived and comfort she provides, she just couldn't live long enough. And in our time, we don't get to see her in our time. She passes. But we have a king who would, an even greater king that the queen herself recognized as her own savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So how should we pray Psalms 72 verse 15 to 17 under the king? While God's people prayed for the coming in the Old Testament, we now pray for his return, as we said, and for his kingdom to be fully established. We pray that even now people will bless the name of our king all day long and we affirm that his name does endure forever. And so finally, as we pray Psalm 72 in light of King Jesus, we will end up praising God because he keeps his promise. And the promise of the kings did not start with David, it started with Abraham. And God has promised Abraham to make him a great nation, give him a great name, and through him all nations will be blessed. And that is what happened in verse 17b. Look at it. Then all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Now all of this will be fulfilled in the promised king in verse 17b. 
So while Solomon began the fulfillment of God's promise, we will see that it is King Jesus who will complete it and bring it to fruition. And between the king and God comes the completion of the covenant between God and king. And that is what happens as we read the conclusion of this psalm. So as David's concluding prayer, look at verse 18, 19 with me in your Bible. It says, Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. So ultimately, the king comes to bring glory to God as book one and book two of the Psalms concludes with this very Psalm of David. And you and I, we actually can join this corporate singing and praying of Psalm 72 as we pray for the return of the king. Now what Solomon will give us a glimpse as we look at 1 Kings in the weeks to come, he gives us a glimpse of a great king, a great kingdom, but what Jesus Christ will bring us is the full fulfillment of the perfect king when he ushers in the perfect kingdom. Now the last thing I want to invite you to look at is actually look at two, one and a half verses actually. If you look at verse 17a and verse 19, there are two things that will be completely fulfilled by this king. And this is that. And it is this, that both the king's name will endure forever and God's glorious name will be praised forever. These two things are going to happen in this perfect king. And that's exactly what uh, Philippians 2 tells us in Philippians 2, 10 to 11. Let me just read to you from the Bible. You can listen to me. It says that God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, dear friends, as we wrap up this, this time we have, let us go back to our first question. Our first question is this, what is your world and our world looking? What is our world going to look like? Here's the thing. We've just started a year. And emotionally, we're going to have pendulums throughout the year. There'll be times that we think the world is great. There'll be times we think the world is terrible. Depends on what you ate. Depends on what you read. But the prayer of David calls us to hope objectively that this world will be perfect when the king returns. That is the hope of Christians. If not, there's no point coming here. That we have objective hope and is reminded as we read and pray God's word. And when we step into one king's over the next few weeks, the best of Solomon's days will just give us a shadowy glimpse of the beauty and the words of Solomon's days of that of the kings reminds us why we need Jesus to come back soon. So whether it's on good days, we can pray Psalm 72 with great hope and confidence. On bad days, we pray Psalm 72 with great hope and confidence. Our worldview, our view of the world may swing emotionally, but God's word brings us back in confidence of God who promises. So as you read the two amens in the concluding of David's prayer in verses 19 to 20, there are two amens there, amen, amen. I cannot help but bring us that there is one part of the Bible that has two amens that give us a conclusion as well. It is actually the concluding, not the prayer of David, but the concluding of the whole Bible. In the last two verses of Revelation 20, 22 verse 20 and 21. I just want to read that for you. 
as you hear the two amens that wraps up our Bible when King comes. Revelation 22, 20 to 21. He who testifies to this thing says, Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Shall we pray? Amen. Amen. Every word that you have said and promised to us in Jesus, they are amen. And so as we pray psalms to you, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. In him we find the amen. He says he will come. And we pray, Lord Jesus, please come soon. In the meantime, we live on the grace of our King. And when, we return, when he returns, we will live in his kingdom in its totality. In Jesus' name we pray and we hope. Amen. Thank you, uh, Pastor, for speaking, us, speaking to us God's word. Uh, we'll have some reflection questions to be flashed uh, on screen, uh, but we do not have time for discussion this afternoon. Uh, so you could actually take down the questions, then uh, bring it with you for lunch, and then you can discuss it with your friends over lunch. So first, uh, how would you pray for pray Psalms 22, uh, 72 today? So second, how would you pray for our world with hope, even when we hear discouraging and frightening news? So yeah, you can take a quick snapshot of it, and then uh, yeah, have a discussion over the week or through lunch. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.